Chapter One of Pollyanna of the Orange Blossoms. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Claire. Pollyanna of the Orange Blossoms by Harriet Lummis Smith. Chapter One When the Game Played Itself. Pollyanna laid down her pen and rubbed her aching wrist. According to the calendar it was the second day of June, but the thermometer told a different story. The dining-room in which Pollyanna and Jimmy were sitting was the coolest spot in the house, but even here the heat had the sticky oppressiveness of dog days. Through the bay window Pollyanna could see that the morning glories, which had been so up and coming at breakfast-time, now drooped their leaves dejectedly. They made her think of a dog with his tail between his legs. Pollyanna sat on one side of the dining-table, and Jimmy on the other. The ends of the table were occupied by boxes of stationery, piled one upon another in glistening white columns. It was Jimmy who said that they reminded him of marble tombs, and Pollyanna had frowned and then crossed a tea with a slashing stroke intended to emphasize her disapproval. The white boxes contained wedding announcements. Those on Pollyanna's right held the announcements already addressed, those on the left were awaiting their turn, and the only way Pollyanna could write legibly was by fixing her attention desperately on each letter as she formed it, and completely dismissing from her thoughts the astonishing disclosure contained in those blank, bland envelopes. Mrs. Thomas Chilton announces the marriage of her niece. Every time Pollyanna reached this point she was overwhelmed by a sense of unreality. Of course there was nothing extraordinary about wedding announcements. They were among the things to be expected, especially in June, and though they always looked interesting when one took them from the postman, and Pollyanna dearly loved to be the first to open them, they had never before impressed her as thrilling. But she had not yet been able to read this particular announcement without feeling the queerest little shiver running down her spine. It was astonishing what a difference it made when Mrs. Thomas Chilton was announcing the marriage of her niece, Miss Pollyanna Whittier, to Mr. James Pendleton. Pollyanna had protested against the wedding announcements on the score of expense. "'You see, it's not a bit necessary, Aunt Polly,' she had said. "'Of course everybody in Beldingsville will know about it, and we can write to the people who live somewhere else, if we especially want them to know.' and the other folks are bound to find it out sooner or later. Aunt Polly had really seemed displeased. What an extraordinary girl you are, Pollyanna! As if the marriage of the only descendant of the Harringtons was a matter of no importance. I only thought those cards were so terrifically expensive, Aunt Polly, and I hate to have you scrimping and making your head ache, trying to squeeze out dollars that aren't there to squeeze. But if we must have announcements for the honour of the family— why, then, we must. I suppose they would be lots cheaper if they were printed instead of engraved, wouldn't they? Printed? Aunt Polly fell back in her chair with a despairing gesture. Pollyanna, sometimes I feel as if I'd made a failure of your bringing up. There are some things you seem as incapable of comprehending as when you were a child. Please understand I would rather live on bread and water the rest of my days than not have you married in a style that befits your station. Accordingly, 
The dining table was piled with stationer's boxes that warm June day, and Pollyanna was rubbing her wrist. Jimmy, finishing an address with a flourish, looked across the table to smile at her. We'll be thoroughly advertised when these go out, young woman. Every human being who has ever heard the name of either of us will be informed of our rash step. The vagueness of Pollyanna's answering smile indicated that her thoughts were elsewhere. Jimmy, if I were going to write a book, it would be different from most of the ones I've read. Across the table, Jimmy's eyes danced mischievously. Are you planning to take up a literary career again, Miss Whittier? Pollyanna laughed. Long before this, she had told Jimmy of the stories that had been typed so carefully, the stories that were meant to win prizes and then had worn out, travelling from editor to editor and coming back every time like homing pigeons. She did not mind in the least Jimmy's teasing air. Indeed, she experienced a curious satisfaction in his frequent lapses from the lover to the tease. Jimmy, the lover, was still to Pollyanna a glorious stranger, a young archangel, whose arms about her lifted her to a heaven of tremulous ecstasy. But there is something reassuring, too, in feeling the solid earth under one's feet, and when Jimmy teased her, he was so like the freckled lad with whom she had played and quarrelled, and whose champion she had been when he had no other friend, that it gave her a satisfying sense of homecoming. Dearly, as Pollyanna loved this wonderful new Jimmy, it would have broken her heart to have parted altogether from the mischievous, teasing Jimmy she had known so long. "'I may take up literary work again,' she replied with extreme dignity, "'and I may not. I haven't quite decided how I shall use the time when I'm not getting your meals or darning your socks.' But if I decide to write a book, Jimmy, it will be unlike most books in one very important respect. Most of them, you know, wind up with a wedding, as if that were the end of things. And, Jimmy, it's the other way about. It's just beginning. The beginning of everything. You, dear, Jimmy said a little huskily. Jimmy the Tease had mysteriously vanished, and Jimmy the Archangel had taken his place. He came around the table, put his arm about her shoulder, and bent his head till his cheek touched hers. Both of them had completely forgotten the business of addressing the wedding announcements. But when at last he kissed her, Jimmy gave a little start, for Pollyanna's eyes were wet. "'Pollyanna, what is it, darling? You're not crying?' "'Just because I'm so happy. Jimmy, isn't it wonderful to be so glad that you don't have to think of the reason why you ought to be?' "'I've got reason enough to last me all my life,' the young man asserted. "'I've got you.' He sat down on the edge of her chair presently, his arm still about her, and made his voice as businesslike as possible under the rather distracting circumstances. "'Pollyanna, there's a very important matter on which I want your opinion.' "'Oh, very well.' Following his example, Pollyanna, too, became tremendously businesslike. "'I had a talk with Uncle John today.' You might call it half a talk, for somebody interrupted us right in the middle. And, dear, for the present he wants to continue the allowance he's been making me ever since I started college. Pollyanna's ears and eyes were very keen where Jimmy was concerned. The note of distaste in her lover's voice, together with the upright crease between his brows, quite prepared her for what was coming. I don't like the idea, Pollyanna. It's a bit hard to make it clear. But I suppose the explanation is that, ever since I was a little chap, 
I've been dependent on people on whom I didn't have the slightest claim, and I'm deadly sick of it. Mr. Pendleton, Pollyanna was beginning, when Jimmy interrupted. Look here, little girl, you've got to call him Uncle John after the 15th, so you better be practicing. Oh, all right. Uncle John, then. I was just going to say that he wouldn't like to have you look at it that way. He feels that you belong to him. I know it, and I don't want to hurt his feelings, but at the same time I've been looking forward to taking care of you and myself on my own earnings. It isn't asking too much of you, is it, to be satisfied with what I can give you? Asking too much? Oh, Jimmy! When Pollyanna looked up at him like that, there was only one possible thing for him to do, and Jimmy did it. After a long and rapturous interlude, he remembered what he had been trying to tell her. I think I've got it figured out in a way that will be satisfactory all round. Uncle John's feelings won't be hurt. I won't sacrifice my self-respect, and your aunt will be provided for. My idea is to take the allowance Uncle John gives me and turn it over to your Aunt Polly. We won't tell her what my salary is. We'll simply say that we can spare that amount easily, and your Aunt Polly will congratulate herself that her niece has married such a successful young engineer. Pollyanna clapped her hands, as if she had not been an hour older than on the day she found him first, sitting dejectedly by the roadside. "'Jimmy, you have the most wonderful mind. Then Aunt Polly can stay on in this house, and everything will be perfect. I don't believe Aunt Polly would ever be quite happy in a little flat in a big city, where no one had ever heard of the Harringtons.' "'Then that's settled.' Jimmy drew a breath of relief. And please understand, Miss Pollyanna Whittier, that I'm not asking you to share a poor man's lot all your days. I have every intention of becoming a millionaire. Pollyanna rubbed her cheek against his sleeve. I don't know, but it would be nicer to share a poor man's lot than a millionaire's, if you come to that. It's not the money I care so much about, Jimmy explained. Only in my profession, making money is a synonym for making a big success— I'll give you a chance to try both extremes, and then you can make up your mind which you prefer. And if you would really rather be poor, we'll give all the money away. Pollyanna smiled delightedly at the fascinating prospect of giving away a million dollars, and then advanced an idea of her own. Jimmy, I'm glad now that Aunt Polly lost part of her money, as long as we can make her perfectly comfortable. Only think what a splendid training I've had in being economical." Jimmy leaned over so he could look into her eyes. "'Still playing the game, aren't you, sweetheart?' Pollyanna gave him back his look. "'Why, Jimmy, if I'd never heard of the glad game, I believe it would begin to play itself, because it seems as if everything was exactly the way I wanted it to be.' They sat for a long time thinking, planning, making little excursions into a future bright with every colour of the rainbow, and coming back to the present with the conviction that nothing could ever be better than this perfect moment. And late in the afternoon, Aunt Polly walked in upon them. "'What a frightfully oppressive day!' sighed Aunt Polly, fanning herself with an energy that was fatiguing to observe. "'Oh, you have finished addressing the announcements, have you?' Pollyanna's face flamed with conscious guilt. Jimmy looked down to hide the irrepressible laughter in his eyes. "'No, we haven't really f finished,' gulped Pollyanna. "'You see, we had some rather important—important important matters of b-business to talk over.'
End of chapter 1. Recording by Claire.